we were asked, what is the minimal effective dose of oxymethylone, aka Anadrol, aka Draw, aka Oxy, aka Green Giants? A bombs. A bombs. That's right. AKA A bombs. <clears throat> Nap 50s. Nap 50s. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast with Dave Crossland. I'm Scott McNally, and all of our programming is brought to you by you, the people at Patreon. Thank you very much for supporting our show. God knows that nobody else will. Well, besides Strom Sports Nutrition in the UK, thank you guys very much. And um, Eval Blood Analysis. If you're in the UK, you can get your lab work done by Dave. We are also brought to you by TrueNutrition.com, especially for those of you in the US. Use code THINK for additional savings. And for our Canadians, supplementsource.ca. Great deals that change week to week. Dave, we were asked, what is the minimal effective dose of oxymethylone, a.k.a. Anadrol, a.k.a. Draw, a.k.a. Oxy, a.k.a. Green Giants? A-bombs. A-bombs. That's right, a.k.a. A-bombs. <clears throat> Nap 50s. Nap 50s. Yeah. Now you know you're an old git if you refer to them as nap 50s. Um, 25? Male? 20? Yes. Yeah, 20. 20, 20 25? 20, 25. Yeah, I would say 25. I would say mm -hmm. 25. Um, yeah, I, it's a strong compound, man. Mm -hmm. You know? What, what is the? What was the prescribed dosage? Uh, if you one, can one, one milligram per kilo. Why do you guys get a talk in kilos? Can't we do this in pounds? Oh, for sake. One milligram per 2.2 pounds. There. Happy? Mm, that's, a, that's very confusing. So we could say ballpark like a half a milligram per pound. Something like that. Is that yeah, close enough? It, it, was, it was surprisingly high. Okay. So a 200 pound guy would be around it's 100 milligrams. 100 milligram. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and okay. I do. I do actually know. Well, I don't know him anymore. I've seen him for a few years, but I did know someone who was actually prescribed oxymethylone by his doctor. Really? At hundred at, at milligram for anemia. Yeah. For no kidding. For anemia, I didn't think they used it anymore. I think they. I don't think it's prescribed at all in the U.S. nowadays. Uh, this was a few years back. This would have been. I'm going to say seven, six, seven years ago. But yeah, UK bloke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. English bloke. Mm. You like how I use the word bloke? Not really. <clears throat> I once used... It sounds so unnatural on you, it just doesn't sound right. Hey, bloke. No, it doesn't sound right. You wanker. It sounds like you're trying. It's, it, you, 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 you labor it instead of just letting it flow. You don't sound native. You sound like... I know, I'm thinking because I'm thinking about it. It's not a normal word that I use. Um... I will tell you this. So I, I had used uh, a lower dose in combination with a lower <coughs> dose, a lower dose of um, the Anabol in the past. I combined the two, and I ran that for I believe the the oxymethylone for I, I believe it was twenty five milligrams, maybe fifty milligrams. I can't remember now. For the first six weeks of a cycle, the first eight weeks of the cycle, I ran thirty D ball. And then that was in a larger plan using DECA and TEST. Limiting factor? Bloat. Hmm. 
There was a guy back on the message boards. Um, I think he turned out to be a scam artist. His name, his, his, maybe you've heard the name Gavin Kane. Do you remember that name no. on message no, boards? And he'd come out with these beautiful little sales pitch posts on how to do things in a different way that you hadn't thought about doing before. And his whole thing was combining in this particular post was combining oxymethylone <clears throat> with Neanderthal. Yeah, I, I can't see that being a great combination from a point of view of side management. Um, I mean, you've got you've got a progestin in there plus a high aromatizing, extremely strong estrogen, synthetic estrogen production. Uh, that's not the best combo. Yeah. Um, there are, and there is a couple of labs over here that I've seen in the past that have done combination orals. You know, where they've put 10, 15 of one and 10, 15 of another and 10, 15 of another. I've seen that uh, too. Hmm. But I mean, I, to be honest with a lot of these things, they're not, uh, they're not done out of uh, any sort of scientific logic. They're just a market employee of, of, look, oh, you get this and it's got a bit of everything in it. That must be perfect. And yeah. They're not, they're not really born out of any sound pharmacology. Yeah, I've worked with people who have had combination tablets that they got from their pharmacy of uh, Winstrel and Anivar together. Hmm. And I'll be honest, I've used it, you know, with clients, 25, yeah, 25. I think, I think a couple of DHTs together is not really too significant, but I, I wouldn't be wanting to run something that's a PR, you know, agonist and an estrogen converting drug together in, in an oral form of that sense. You know what I noticed, though? I will tell you this. So if I were to have used in the past um, lower multiple compounds versus a lot more of one, say total milligrams, 1,000 milligrams. Let's say mm -hmm. I used 1,000 milligrams of just test versus 1,000 mm -hmm. milligrams of three or four different compounds together. I found that the side effects tended to be lower of the three to four various compounds um, versus the lot more of one. I I would say yes, that is is would would stand potentially very true. In a general um, in a general speaking way, right? Yeah, because you, know. you you've not got one axis of mechanism being overloaded. And, and it, it does very much seem to be that there's almost a threshold point, and then when you go above that, sides tend to multiply quite rapidly. Yeah. Um, but I've always been a fan, personally, of of less compounds in a cycle, and then just managing those compounds correctly. Though I don't disagree with the multiple compound approach will lower sides. I also think that the single or you know just simplicity of just a two compound approach will actually, in most cases, yield better results. You, as long you as think the sides, so? As long as the sides are managed, yes. Hmm. Somebody says that we're having network issues. I wonder if anybody else um, is noticing that. If if so, you let us know. But otherwise, we're still recording, so the show is, the show is happening, whether people are hanging with us or not. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know, Dave. I, I, I would say, well, let's, let's look at it this way. Uh, for anybody who is brand new, you know, to to understanding anabolics, when you said different axes that you could you could work through different compounds, what do you mean by that? What are these different axes of which you speak? 
Well, every compound has its own unique properties and how it operates. The the variations sometimes on a theme, like DHTs, are obviously similar in a lot of ways because they're a DHT-based drug. So you have this common commonality that they don't aromatize to estrogen. But their secondary impacts on, on prostate, hair, and stuff like that can vary. Their anti-estrogenic properties can vary. Yeah. So every drug has its own way of operating. Uh, and with that, its own unique sides that come with it. Or it's, well, to be honest, they're not even sides, are they? They're all effects. It's just some of the effects are not wanted effects. They're not desired. Yeah. Um, and so... You know, if you have a range of compounds delivering effects all at a lower level, but across a broad spectrum, then you tend not to have the same negative impact because you're not getting a shitload of a single thing. Right. Um, Where if you do test and you do a gram of test, we know that it's going to be very high estrogen, which can be problematic for people to manage. Where if you had 300 tests, 300 of a non-erosing compound and 300 of another compound, even if it was something like DECA, you're not going to have the same level of total estrogen and you've got an element of anti-estrogenic property in there with a Mastron or, or Prima, whatever you choose as DHT as well. So there, there is sense to create cycles with that level of management between and limit a high level of one particular negative. Yeah. But at the same time, I think there's something to be said for the fact that a gram of test is going to yield some pretty impressive results if you manage the estrogen corona. Sure. I mean, because at the end of the day, a gram of test versus a, a gram of primo, which one of those is going to yield more results? Obviously, the gram of test, right? You're, you're not even getting yeah. any estrogen conversion. The, the primo is just not going to do the same thing. Uh, I understand that people have recently talked about how the, the protein assimilation is the same between each compound. I don't know if we can go as far as to say, though, that like because of that, they're all the same. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I think that's well, the I don't know who you know where that came from exactly. But that's the logic. That's like the jump that people have made. So that means that if I can take a gram of trend, that that is going to equal, you know, a gram of Masteron or whatever else. Yeah, but it's not because there's so many different factors that fall into this. First of all, you've got the factors in the way the compounds bind. Yeah. You've got the factors of how long they bind for. You've also, but then you've also got the unwanted effects because you create a high level of stress in somebody's body and that person's going to start having a negative impact on health and progress. The more unhealthy you are, the harder it is for you to grow muscle tissue. Yeah. So there's, there's, it doesn't matter if the protein assimilation is the same for every single steroid on the planet. What matters is everything else that comes with it. It's the compound in total. Yeah. You know, what does it do to estrogen? Estrogen, we, we know estrogen is an important hormone for growth. What does it do to progesterone? You know, how is it affecting your stress levels? What's happening with blood thickening? All these other factors that come into play, does it disrupt your appetite? Does it affect mm. you the way you eat and digest? How does it you affect know, your strength? I think that yeah, how- if you have a compound that is making you ridiculously strong, that in itself is going to possibly lead to more gains than a mm. compound that doesn't affect your strength that way. 
Yeah, so there's, there's, it's much more complex than to try and say. I find this this world really fascinating in the sense that we we tend to look at we tend to overcomplicate things far too much, and we get very very sciencey about things that doesn't actually change the real world impact. It's like you know what do the metabolites of mass do downstream? What do the metabolites of primo do downstream in forms of estrogen management? Is it a serum? Is it a suicide inhibitor? Um, really, all we need to know is take those drugs, they help control estrogen. The mechanisms at which they do it don't actually change what they do. It's the end result that ultimately we're bothered about. The yeah. mechanisms are interesting. And the mechanisms help you understand more complex problems that might arise when people are doing very complex cycles. But the base element of it is that, you know, those those compounds are going to lower estrogen. And for most people, that's all they need to know. Yeah. They don't, they don't need to know anything more than that. You know, I get in the car, I press the gas pedal and it goes. I don't need to know every ins and out of how that engine and transmission works. I just need to know that they work. So real quick... Um our three main branches of compounds are what? DHT. Math- yeah, okay. DHT, test-based, and nandrolone-based. They're the three f- branches of the family tree. Okay. And then orals are kind of a fourth. Yeah. In a way. Well, yeah, but they, they still fit into those categories. So D-ball is test-based, Anavar is DHT-based. So they do fit under those three branches. They still work from the... And having said all that, I mean, Andrelones is a really weird family because you've got Ment, you've got Trent, you've got Decker, but there isn't really a huge amount of commonality between those three drugs. Yeah. They're all quite unique in their own right. Um, yeah, they and definitely then you've are. Got, you've got testosterone derivatives, but in there you've got Turinabol, which doesn't aromatize. Yeah. Yeah, so I would the, almost the, think it's know, the, more like a DHT to me. You know what I mean? Like when I yeah. think about it in a way. Yeah, but it's, it's not. It's test. Yeah. And yeah. then you've got oxymethylone, which is a DHT. You know, and it's there are these little anomalies in there, but uh, they're your three basic family family branches, yeah. Yeah, okay. Just to give something people something to think about when they're thinking about how they may want to combine those things. Um, we do have a bunch of listener questions, by the way. We had a bunch of stuff. And um, you did some modeling. I have some... What is this, Dave? What am I looking at here? An old fat bloke in a very loud shirt. Yeah, that's it. An old yeah, fat wear, bloke in a very can you wear that shirt? For, why don't you wear shirts like that for the show? Why don't you get dressed up real nice for us? I am doing. I'm wearing an eval t-shirt. Are you on fire there? By the way, that's a smoke bomb. <laughs> does that even? I don't know if this represents fitness to me, Dave. This does not look. Not, what is? What, what are you trying I, to portray got, here? That you're a real tough I'm guy. Just, is that what it is? Not my idea. Not my idea. So diamond, <laughs> diamond, the diamond theory guys are great guys. They they make our uniforms for Eval. Oh, okay. Um, and they've been muttering for ages about doing a photo shoot with us and i was like what the hell would you want to do one with me for you know i'm not current i'm not i, I can't even be described as a bodybuilder i'm just a fat old man these days why would you want to do well it's true though isn't it let's not let's not lie why why would you want to do a photo shoot um, but you're you're our fat old man yeah i suppose so so they came, rob came up with this idea from diamond theory he's like i want to put you in something that i know you'd never wear Okay, okay. So 
he came up with this this loud thing. Yeah. Which they're about to release as a limited edition. And obviously, they make shirts for big guys. They make shirts for bodybuilders and they make shirts for strongmen. And they are tailored to suit. So they, you have, I think it's the muscle and you have a mass. And a mass is obviously more strongman related. It's a bit bigger in the girth where a muscle is tapered right in and suits the bodybuilder shape. Okay. And they're brilliant. I mean, I know Nate Styles has got one. He got one for a wedding he had to go to, and he loves it. I know Jamie. I think Jamie's got a couple as well. They're really nice shirts. They, they, yeah, they are decent quality. But Rob's been at me for ages to do this shoot. So eventually we were like, okay, come on, members. You look very Let's slim. This is nice. You look real and, slim here, Dave. And I'm not. And <laughs> so what, what they wanted to do was this like sort of godfather gangster thing. Okay. With me with it. So I've, I've got a cigar, cane, daft big watch, and, and that mad shirt on. That's amazing. Did you get to keep the shirt? I did, actually, yes. <laughs> they didn't want it back after you put it on, is what it probably was. <coughs> That's probably very true, to be fair. I did get a message, by the way. Somebody said that they love the show and they told me to be nicer to you. I think you should be as well. I think you're awful to me. I actually, what people don't realize is when this show finishes, the abuse continues. Um, I get nasty messages all the time. Uh, and I spend most of my life in a corner crying. I tell people that that's the only under, type of love you understand. You don't understand positive, uh, you know, uh, 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 affirmations or anything like that. You, the only thing you understand is to be treated, treated, you know, poorly. And that's, that's what gets you to respond. That's how you know that I care about you. Yeah, but there are limitations, Scott. <laughs> All right. We do have a bunch of listener questions. Um, I'm, I, we're having some luck with not putting them on the screen. So I'm going to continue with that theme today. Um, why does Dave prefer Aromacin over Arimidex? HDL. It's simple. Uh, there's negative, negative impacts on HDL. I, aromacin is not as effective as ADEX, and, and there will be scenarios where you've no choice, you need ADEX. But if you can use aromacin, it's much gentler on HDL, and I have a, I have a hot nut for HDL management. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I, I'm sure you probably see a lot of HDL issues, too. It's super common. I feel like HDL, uh, low, to H, low HDL, is probably the number one thing I neglected when I was bodybuilding, I just kind of said, eh, you know, when I was running a lot of stuff, I was like, yeah, my HDL is always I, 25. That's what really, I just I, came to appreciate, like, just accept it. Now I'm in, now I'm good, man. Now I'm like 40. I, I can't give you facts and figures, but when you hear about health problems, particularly deaths around, you know, anabolic use, it's 90% of the time it's a cardiac issue. Yeah. Um, can I directly link poor HDL management to that? No, I can't. I don't have the data. I don't have the stats. But what I see predominantly in bloods is poor HDL. So it, it's not a genius to work out th there is a potential. Let's put it that way. There is a potential for increased cardiovascular risk through poor management of HDL. And it would appear that, you know, a, a, the, probably the biggest single health event negative health event that affects users is a cardiovascular event yeah. so low hdl is common high rate of cardiovascular events it's it's not a big leap to go you know what there potentially is a link there so i would rather err on the side of caution and and i just have a hot knot for hdl it's as simple as that 
What uh, what supplements would you suggest to somebody to try to improve their HDL? Citrus bergamot, krill oil. Now, a lot of people will use fish oils and go, oh, yeah, but I'm already using fish oils. Now, fish oils are triglyceride-based, and they're not very well absorbed by the body. The body's not particularly mad on triglycerides, whereas fish uh, krill oil, should I say, is phospholipid-based, so it's much better absorption rate. So I would hmm. always go krill over fish. Uh, Kalanus oil is another good one, which is the precursor to krill. Um, and then the other thing, if your HDL is particularly low, you can look at things like Pauline therapy, which is one gram of liposomal vitamin C and five grams of lysine twice a day. Uh, and you can also look at niacin as well, but obviously test your tolerance with that stuff. Yeah. Flushing niacin. Mm. It was non-flushing. Non-flushing? Hmm. I thought you wanted the flushing. I thought the, the flushing was part of the action for HDL. You know what? You might be right there. I actually can't remember. I, I think so. Don't quote me on that, though. You know, obviously, I'm no, not an HDL I, I, expert. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? You might be right on that one. I can't remember. You've thrown me now. We'll figure that one out. Um, hi, Scott. Does increasing test dose cause a lack of focus when i take 500 test e in 600 uh units of hcg per week i feel fine so it's 500 test e so it's like a cycle it's a legit cycle um mm -hmm. however when i increase the test to 600 milligrams per week and keep the hcg then i feel less focused heavy-headed and dizzy any insight into this topic would be much appreciated thanks for the show guys Max. I'm not sure about the dizziness, if I'm honest, but I would have said, obviously, estrogen is going to be a concern, and there will be a point where it sort of tips. Mm, yeah. Um, so the first thing I'd be thinking would be estrogen. Um, I'm not sure if there's a tie in there with blood pressure as well. That's what I had wondered, too. Like, has he mm. checked his blood pressure? Is it getting up there? You know, mm. if he's holding a lot of water. I'm I'm stumped otherwise though because I mean realistically the difference between 500 test and 600 test it's not like it's not massive you know what I mean it's not but I, I do do tend to see there's almost a tipping point and it's different for every person to be honest but where they'll go be over a certain point and then those levels become beyond what their body can tolerate yeah um so you might for argument's sake be at 500 test and i'm gonna work in p-mol and have 200 p-mol estrogen uh which is like 20 percent above range um okay. and feel fine and then you go up to six and your estrogen goes up to 230 240 and you're a complete utter estrogen mess Hmm. Um, so there does seem to be a threshold point where we, we tolerate things quite well up to, and then as soon as we go beyond that, the the impact of those increased levels is much greater than the level of the increase. Yeah, he didn't say anything about any kind of estrogen control or anything mm. like that, did he? No. All right. Oh, this is exactly what I wanted to see on the last episode, and I will put this one up. Somebody said, I did Dave's calf workout, and I genuinely could hardly walk for about a week. Um, couldn't even straighten my legs fully. And somebody else said they're going to try it tonight. 
<laughs> oh, you know what else, too? Where's that other comment at here? Um, James, he said, Dave's calf routine is very similar to Paul Borison's calf workout. Um, he used a lot of drop sets in his workouts. I know, Dave, that you've talked a great deal about him. Um, is Did you get any of these ideas for calves no, from actually, Paul Borison? No, I've, I've never been aware of Paul's training. Uh, only only his drug stuff I've never been aware of his training and it's quite strange actually so quite a few years ago now me and Ian Harrison did a seminar at uh, I think it was Progress Gym Um, now I knew Ian's brother in my younger days and I knew Ian very very briefly but I didn't know him well I trained not with Ian but sort of he took a little bit of an interest in a set of leg extensions I was doing that was the extent of the interaction um, a very long time ago like 30 years ago uh, and we we did this seminar and what we ended up doing was rather than to sit there and talk at people we moved around the gym and, and went through exercise techniques on, on various bits of equipment okay and considering that we've had no real interaction, uh, uh, particularly around training, and the last time I saw Ian train was when he was 19. Okay. And I'm 52, and I think Ian's 54. Um, um, we had a very similar training style and a very similar approach to actual exercise technique. Hmm. And the one thing that Ian particularly commented about was cable crossovers, because I have a set way of doing them and he was exactly the same and he says i've never seen anyone else do them the same way as me except you and it was quite weird that through experimentation we both ended up at the same place how did you do your cable crossovers what's so special about it no i don't say there's anything particularly special but i make sure that the cable runs directly down the back of my forearm okay and i make sure i keep the elbow behind the hand a lot of people do cables with the hand slightly elevated and the elbow down Okay, I so not like this. You want your. I make sure the, I always make sure the elbow is directly behind the hand, and you do that by making sure the cable runs up the arm. Okay. That can be achieved by altering the the um, pulley height or moving back or forward within the cable crossover. I see. And then I grip with a little finger. What do you mean, grip with your little finger? Try, try it. You're only like that's you're not you're like the top part of your hand. No, no, you, you, index finger is loose. It. Yeah. No, you'll grab it, but squeeze hard with the little finger. Try. Okay. It. Is there more of a scoop feeling then with that? No, no, because the elbow stays behind the hand, so the elbow will stay in line with the hand. So you're not dropping the elbow and doing like an undercurl with it. You, everything's going to stay in line. Move your but arm on squeeze. screen because I can't see what you're doing there. You keep going like this, but you're off screen. Sorry, wrong. I'll use this arm. <laughs> So what a lot of people do when they do a cable crossover, what they end up doing is something like this. Oh, okay. So the cable is above the elbow, yeah? I gotcha, yeah. What I, what I teach is that. Okay. So everything's in line. The cable runs up the back. The cable's so going it, this way. Like, yeah, so if, okay. you're, if, you, if you're going closer to the body, yeah. you're going to be closer to the machine. Yeah. Obviously, the machine's always going to be behind you. If you're going further up, then you're going to be further out of the machine to create the correct angle so that, that cable runs at the back of your arm. I follow so you. The elbow always follows the hand, where a lot of people do this. <clears throat> yeah. And then fly like that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Little Dave's, Dave's golden tips of the day. 
Use a pinky. You'll be surprised how much power the pinky has. All right. What else do we have here? <sighs> oh, here's the question about Anadrol that we already answered. Um, and he was talking about using it pre-workout, too. How about, uh, how about this one? Says, uh, guys, I'm starting a cycle of testy, mast, and terinable. 750, 640. Thinking to go about 16 weeks, then drop test E to 250 and increase the mass to 800 and drop the terinable. Um, How it sounds to you. Hoping to gain lean mass and cut a bit at the end. Your estrogen is most likely going to be low at the end. Um, so that will potentially restrict muscular progress. I'm not a fan of changing route halfway through a cycle. Um, but it also depends on the severity of that change of route. If what you're going to do is, say it's a 12-week cycle, you do eight, eight weeks, push the calories, then you hold the calories for the last four weeks, maybe introduce a little bit of cardio for a bit of a tidy up. Yeah, fine with that. Yeah. If you're going to do an aggressive cut, no, I would definitely advise not to. Uh, even with anabolics in play, your body is still going to be deciding what muscle it's accepting and keeping and not. And if you suddenly reduce your calories, that's going to have a negative impact on that. So I, I would always stabilize to some extent post a bulk or a push for more size. I'd be tempted more to do a hard cut before and then go into my growth phase and try and maintain as much condition as I can moving through that if I wanted a lean bulk. Mm. Or I would I would definitely consider the last third of the cycle in a holding phase where I'm not pushing calories up anymore. I stabilize the calories, add in a little bit of cardio uh, and tighten up subtly at that point. But I wouldn't do an aggressive cut if, if I had just finished off the back of a bulking area, irrespective of what drugs were in play. Okay. Um, Andrew Barry's with us. He's a, he, you couldn't see his, uh, I couldn't see who this was because it just says fakes book user. Um, but he asked, uh, we talked about this before. How do you say that name? Uh, is it Janoshek? I think it's Janoshek or Janoshek. Yeah, I've always yeah. said Janoshek, but I don't know, to be honest. Yeah, I, I mean, you read stuff. It's like I didn't even know that test probe was probe for a long time because I read it on the you know online and I thought it was like test prop you know and you well, still you, yeah, you, you hear people who say prop you know what I mean I how many people say ananthate instead of enthanate yeah I say I say anethate sorry no it's, hang on sorry I got that the other way around yeah it's enanthanate but everyone says anethate or whatever it is yeah I always say anethate yeah. yeah um <clears throat> So, yeah. I, I honestly don't know. Um, they've been going a while. Uh, I think they've been going a number of years now, to be honest. Um, for the most part, it seems legit. I, I've heard people say that his results can be bought, i.e. you can pay to get a good set. But 
I've never seen any evidence to prove that, apart from just usual, you know, internet bollocks. Yeah, because um, anybody's going to say that, right? Like, you know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. People are going to people I, are going to say mean, that. I, I know a few people that use them, and they've seemed very happy with the service. And I, I don't think there's an issue from a testing from a point of view of you sending drugs to get them tested. If he is supportive of labs, but at the end of the day, what difference does it make? Because he could do a test for a lab and send them a shitty result, and they could just alter it in, in Photoshop <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, you know, it's sort of, you know, I don't think you can blame him for the results that a lab may post up because they have every access to altering those if they so desired. But I know a few guys that send their samples to them, and they seem very, very happy with the testing. The only complaint I've ever heard is, one, it's a bit pricey, and two, the time delays because they're having to ship stuff to Europe. Yeah. So I've had clients who have used him, and we've I've only seen uh, a good handful of results personally, and the stuff I've seen has been pretty spot on. Like we're talking hmm. Primo that was supposed to be 100 milligrams and it was like 99 or it was 101. Like we're talking right on the money. Um, here's what Andrew said. He said, uh, I paid $120 a sample for testing. He had no idea what the brand was. I... Um, he purposely kept that a secret so that he would have no reason, um, you know, for, for, to verify, you know, there, yeah. there, there could be no, uh, you know, Agenda. no bias. Yeah. yeah, exactly. He said the test was supposed to be 250, came back at 177. Mass D um, wasn't even Mass D. It came back at Primo, as Primo at 94 milligrams. And the NPP came back at 88 milligrams, should be 100 milligrams. I, I, the Primo versus Mast seems unusual because Primo is a more expensive compound, but that could be a labeling error. I mean, I've seen that happen before. I've seen labs label up vials wrongly. Yeah, if I saw a vial of 94, like, because I could see Primo at 94, like, that passes as a 100 milligram Primo. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. That, that passes in my mind. It's not perfect, but guess what? I, I think that most of the things we are taking are not perfect. If you're getting 94, it's supposed to be 100, you would literally never notice the difference, you know? No, not at all. Not in real world. And, like, even with the MPP, though it's 88, it's a little bit down. Most people would, would rate that as being fairly decent MPP. Yeah, yeah, it'd be like average, you know. Now, on the other hand, <laughs> yeah. 177 test when it's supposed to be 250, yeah. That's that's going to have an impact. I mean, a 500 cycle is a 300 cycle. It soon start as, as your dose goes up, the actual level you're getting is soon much lower. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I could definitely see see that, that causing problems. But, I mean, if he sent it anonymous, the guy has no reason there's no logical reason for him to report things right. incorrectly. Right. Andrew says he does disagree that he wants everything to be 98% of concentration. I can't argue with like, I want everything to be a hundred percent. You know what I mean? Um, in the real world, how does that pan out? If it were, I would say what, what, let me, let me ask you this, Dave, <clears throat> what do you think is, the most reasonable amount of error, like what percent off? I I, I would say five. Five. I'd say yeah. in an ideal world, you're looking five percent. Um, you could potentially argue up to ten percent, depending on overall strength. I mean, 
even at a 300 mega test, if he's coming back at 272, 75, yeah. Unless you're using three gram of the stuff, you're really, and even then, you probably wouldn't even notice the difference anyway. So, I would have said, yeah, somewhere between. In an ideal, I'd like to see it five, but I would probably personally accept up to a ten percent variant. Yeah, yeah. So, so that said, eighty-eight milligrams on what should be a hundred milligrams of NPP. It's not what I would want, you know. No, it, it's not what I would want, but I would personally probably not throw it out i would probably use it yeah of course you just take that much more you'll know, take a little extra yeah. so and he also uh, added he said i do have to say and guys obviously we're not related at all to the company um that janoshek or janoshik or janoshik um was very professional and updated me every step of the way um when they got the shipping notice um, when they received it and when it was tested like three days after receipt of package um, taking into account the weekend and all yeah i mean i say i've not had any personal experience i know a lot of people have used them and everything seems to be from a point of view of a, at least from a point of view of testing your personal product everything seems to be above and legit yeah. Um, so I don't. I I've no reason to doubt them. Um, the only complaint I've ever heard levied on them is just cost and distance, uh, and that's it. And I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's got a long way to go, you know. So, um, but other than that, yeah, it seems seems very good. How far out are you from being able to accept samples at this point for your testing? I would like to be live commercially for January. Okay. Oh, he said shipping was uh, seventy-seven bucks. Yeah, well, you see, that's what's going to help us from at least the UK market because they're not uh, going to have to ship. Other than that, I mean, I don't think there'll be much difference. Yeah. Um, what I'm hoping to do is for December select a few people to send samples in using a code that will allow them to do it free of charge, but allow us to test everything and make sure the, you know, the website's working properly and the, the, the sample patches going out are working correctly and everything works as it should do. Will you set up a code for the podcast? No. Like I heart Scott. No. Gets you 50% off your order. Plus no. Dave will deliver you the results in person. You know Korea. what? I, whether it's to my detriment or not, I've never been a discount person. Yeah. Well, I, I would mean, rather I would rather price fairly. Yeah. From then, the day one, then double it and then have a blowout sale every couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, it's just never been my style. And, and some people have said they think it's good. Some people have said they think it's shit. I think it builds brand loyalty. Okay. Because you don't get the window shoppers that are just looking for the cheap deal. Mm, yeah you 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 get customers that want to be with you for the quality of service and for what you do rather than because you're just the cheapest in the marketplace and don't get me wrong though at the end of the day i've always tried to be very very fair with pricing yeah uh you know i've not i've not tried to kick the ass out of it either oh we got one from jim mcdonald he asked us um he said so recently he went through private md labs um he's on 600 milligrams of test and uh, let's see, his, he's got his total test is 3,139. 
Um, free test is 1,273, um, about one milligram of Arimidex per week, and his estradiol was two. What oh, should he do with that? Look. Yeah, what should he do with that? Obviously, he's going to stop the Arimidex, but... So just run that for numbers through me again. So his test was 1,200, so quite his test, high. His free test was 1,200. Total oh, test sorry, is 3139. 3139. So that's Enmol then, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and his estrogen was two. I don't think I've ever seen an estrogen that low. That's freaking <laughs> low, man. Should he retest? Could that be a mistake? Uh, uh, unlikely. Okay. Um, if, if everything else is tested correctly, I, w I would be shocked to see the estrogen incorrect. Um, if it's TRT, I would definitely bring the dose down slightly. I'd want, I'd want, I like my TRTs to be around 20. No, he's on 600 test. Oh, right. Hang on a minute. So he's on 600 tests and his test came back at 31. Yeah. 31.39. Is that what you said? Or 30? No, 3,000. 139. Ah, right. I said Enmol and you said yes. So I oh. went through. Right. So it's NGDL. You cockwomble. Damn. I'm trying not to put things on the screen today. Okay. Right. So. <laughs> That's about right. Yeah. So, well, the question is, though, is so he's got real low estrogen. Obviously, he's going to stop taking the Arimidex. But I've seen this happen before where guys just have super, super low estrogen. I mean, what do you, what do, you do with that situation? There's not a lot you can do. Um, um, I mean, obviously, don't use an AI. <laughs> uh, but other than that, I don't suppose there's much you can do, really. I mean, a worst case scenario, if he's super, super low, would be looking at actually supplementing. Hmm. Start taking some estrogen. Yeah. Hmm. People used to do uh, that like a hundred years ago. The thing is, I don't. If you've got super low estrogen on cycle, then you would suspect to have super low estrogen naturally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and. There are situations where people are just built differently. Yeah. Where they have a genetic anomaly within their hormones that either means their test is naturally very high or there's another aspect to what they're doing. But because it's how they were born, their body is also adapted to cope with that very well as well. So if somebody had super low estrogen without any estrogen management then i'd be looking at the areas that we know estrogen affects to see right what's his eyesight like what is libido like what's his hdl like and if all those aren't being affected by that and he's progressing then i wouldn't be super concerned yeah but um if he is having problems in those areas and and the low estrogen is actually impacting him negatively then i would seriously consider supplementation with estrogen yes yeah, years ago, I can't. I said a hundred, but I, I made that that number up. There was a time that men were taking estrogen. They thought of it as being it, there's that anabolic aspect to it. Um, I can't remember when that was. Do you remember hearing about anything like that? 
Yeah, well, I mean, estrogen is, is, is I mean, this is why the wet drugs are, have got this, you know, thing about bulking around them. Estrogen just help you grow. There's no denying it. But I, I was, I can't remember who told me, a researcher once said to me that you could actually do an anabolic cycle of estrogen as long as you could cope with the sides it caused. I like Peter's comment. It just means that he's a man's man and you don't need run none of them female hormones. <laughs> I like that. All right. What else do we have here? Um, oh, wow. This could be like a whole topic in itself. From Patreon, Christopher said, um, everybody wants to get shredded again now that the Olympia has come and gone. I don't know about that. I don't. I don't. <laughs> Could you do a brief summary of ancillaries with Dave and how to use them in combination? Things like T3, T4, Clenium, Hembine, and anything else that you find <coughs> that you find noteworthy. I think we've done a whole episode about fat burners in the past. <coughs> yeah. Excuse Dave. He's going uh, to have a coughing fit over here. You all right? Did, you, did that go down the wrong tube? It did. Yeah, we did. We did a whole episode. What, well, let me ask you this: What would be your number one go-to as far as fat-burning supplements go? As a standalone, without anabolics in play, Clen. Yeah. As as a, a product with anabolics in play, probably T three. Where does ECA fit into that for you? I. I don't mind ECA, and I was a big user myself back in the day. Uh, but I'm also very conscious of the fact that it can really start to screw you up from an energy depletion point of view, but also from like anxiety and things like that. Uh, it affects sleep, affect recovery. So you use it, you have to be disciplined with it. Uh, I prefer to bring it in when someone is physically struggling with energy levels. Oh, excuse me. I thought that was tough. It's been beeping all episode, Dave. I didn't realize it was mine, to be honest. I actually thought it was you. I was going to bite you for it. I always turn my uh, phone off, guys. By the way, comment below um, if you are mad at Dave for leaving his phone on every show. We always get comments. I'm, People are like, couldn't you shut off your phone to be more professional? Right, what in God's green earth gives you any impression that this is a professional <laughs> podcast for baby Jesus' sake? <laughs> Come on. Have You're I just... ever once at any time intimated that I am in any way professional? <laughs> we just got like the opening clip right there. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Come on, people, be realistic here. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I think for me personally, sides of Clen or excuse me, ECA were a lot stronger than the sides of Clen. Running it the way I run Clen, I know everybody runs it different, and most people I think still do two week, two weeks, three weeks on. Um, you know, I prefer the slow taper over an extended period of time, and with that, I find very few sides. No, I'm a I'm a builder when it comes to Clen. Um, I don't think I started quite as low as you, but I am a builder. Way. But then I tend to leave the fat burners out a bit later, where you, I think you bring them in a bit earlier than I would. But in, in balance, I don't think there'll be much in it, really. 
Ooh, I want to give a shout out to Anthony. He gave us, he gave me a dollar ninety nine as a super thanks. And then somebody had the gall to give him crap. He said cheapskate. Somebody I gave the, it, it, the, in mouse. Who is this guy? He he didn't even give me anything. He didn't donate anything, and he's calling the other guy a cheapskate. Oh, decibel points in the wrong place. Surely it should be a couple of places the other way. Yeah. One ninety nine. All right. Um, let me see if we have anything else here. Get those pictures of Dave. Um, what about this one? Oh, of course we do. Um, do you as coaches um, uh, take altitude into consideration when looking at lab numbers, specifically RBC, hematocrit, and hemoglobin? Potentially, I do take ethnicity into um, consideration, definitely. Um, and particularly if you're a transplanted national. Um, so oh. I think what people don't really... Well, so like the ranges in the UK are designed around the natural inhabitants of the UK. So even if you're a second or third generation from an immigrant, I you've come here from, say, Pakistan or India or Jamaica or something like that, your normal blood markers won't fit typically into UK ranges naturally. So you tend to find with, with uh, Pakistanis that they, they will naturally have higher red blood cell counts. Really? Yeah. Huh. So it's very, very common with Pakistani to, to have a blood test to see their red blood so high and out of range, but it's not really out of range for someone of that ethnicity. Huh. Uh, in the same way as Afro-Caribbeans will generally have a higher creatinine level. No kidding. So, yeah, I do take stuff like that into account. I've never had cause to take altitude into account, to be honest, so I've never done it because I've never had a situation where I've needed to. Yeah, we here in the U.S., obviously, we have people out west, Colorado, stuff like that, where, I mean, even in the medical system, they take that into account, that there is considered mm -hmm. to be you know, a, a variation there by a few points. But we've talked in depth, too, about hematocrit. Yeah, it's, um, but I do think ethnicity needs to be considered, definitely. And I, I, we've, I think we've discussed this in the past, that, that it would be nice to see what the ranges were from, from different companies, particularly places like, I mean, I, I, even in the UK, you'll go to one lab and their ranges will be different to another lab. Uh, and sometimes quite significantly so. Really? Uh, I mean, I, I work on HDL ratio being four or below, but I looked at some blood work today and it was a different company, but the, the HDL ratio was five and below. Well, that's quite significant in terms of HDL ratio. Yeah. So, yeah, there can be quite a large variance between labs and, and more so between countries. I should let everybody know that we need questions for the next show, Dave. Hmm. Do you want to ask them? Maybe if you ask them, we'll get more questions that way. Okay, so for this incredibly professional and popular podcast, would you please submit your questions to us so we can talk more utter bollocks next week? I like that. That's good. That's really professional, you Dave. What uh, what's going on now? You do you have any any words of advice for us? Any Uncle Dave wisdom? Do you have any ghost stories? What do you what do you got for us today? 
which would you prefer? Well, the ghost stories were good, but I guess we're getting a ways away from uh, Christmas, away from Halloween away, now. Away from Christmas? I'd love we were get away from Christmas. It's a pain in the ass. You're going away uh, for Christmas, aren't you? I am. I'm going to see uh, uh, Vigorous Steve, yeah. So <laughs> is that your... Today. Is that your Christmas present? You're going to see Vigorous Steve. It's Steve's Christmas present. I'm going to wrap myself up in a bow and <laughs> give myself to it. Um, he messaged me today. We got his months mixed up before I was there now. It's like, what time we meet it today? Mm, not oh, there, no kidding. <laughs> Thing is, he messaged me and said, 14th of November, what time do you want to meet up? And I, I didn't even see the November bit. I completely missed it and forgot to say, no, it's December, not November. But oh. that was just a miscommunication. So um, we're on track again now. Okay. Um, advice. Advice. You did give us some good advice earlier. You said, you know, charge a fair price and stand by that. Right? Mm. That was good I, advice. Uh, uh, maybe a bit corny, but uh, I think there's a couple of things. Um, we... I don't know, and I even do it as well. Um, we tend to lowball our friends who are in business. <laughs> yeah. When really what we should be doing is giving them full price. Mm. Because we should be supporting them. But we, we'll go, I'll go to my mate because he can do me a cheaper deal. But you're not doing him any favors, are you? Hmm. You're not, you know, if you're going to your mate for a, an at cost deal, you're not actually doing him any favors. You, in fact, you're hurting him. I think there's a pro and a con to that. I think there is something to, like, I will give friends deals where I can, you know. Um, I think, no, this and, is and, where and I think there's, there's a, a There's a community of that. You know, if you yeah. you help, you, you give your friends a break, they give you a break. Um, you know, that, that type of thing. Um, like, my I friend, my friend Mike gives me a discount for a gym membership at his gym because we're friends. I also don't really even use the gym membership that often. Like I don't even need it, but it gives me a discount. So I take it and I use the gym occasionally once <sighs> a month, you know, twice a month. I think, the that, gym. I think there's a difference though, between using your friends, say knowledge mm. against using your friends who provide a product. Yeah. Because when someone provides a product, there's a direct buying cost for them for that product. Yeah. Whereas if you're just taking five, 10 minutes of their time, that's something that they can give without any financial penalty to them. Yeah. So which but is better? Because that time, well, is, I, I, time is worth a lot, man. And it, I, could honestly, I could honestly spend my entire day working for free. If, <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. No, I, very regularly. No, I mean, I, I just, I, I, as, as I've got older, I, I've come more to the conclusion that my friends that are in business, I will pay them whatever they ask, and I will never ask them for a discount or a... Yeah. Uh, because I think it's unfair. Um, yeah. But, I mean, each to their own at the end of the day. I mean, some, some people are insulted if you don't take their discount. But, but yeah, as, as I've got older, I've come more and more to the conclusion, you know what, I would... I would rather haggle a big company and pay my friends the full price. Yeah, I can I can appreciate that. I can think of one time, one error I made that I, I wish I could take back. And it was making a deal, um, like a trading of service, where mm -hmm. uh, I, I worked with a massage therapist, went to see her whenever I needed anything. And um, then her fiance needed coaching. 
and hired me and we had a trade of service and uh, uh, it, she was going to give me X amount of sessions free and I was going to coach the guy. And I invested full full bore like I would have, you know, and, and he ended up bailing after a shorter period of time. Now, anybody else, if they had paid me for, say, a month, I'm not giving them a refund if they stopped checking in after two weeks. That's on them. Like, it's there's not going to mm. be a refund for that. I put in the work and it's up to you. I've lived up to my expectation and it's up to you to live up to yours. Right. Um, yeah. I, I still like then I felt bad because I didn't want to go to her and get free service. Do you know what I'm saying? So I, I eventually I just honestly, I stopped going to see her. Yeah, I think the other thing as well is like with things like that, when you do a deal with somebody, you need to make sure that you're giving freely. If you give someone something or you help someone with something, you can't do it with the expectation that they're going to return that if it's not actually agreed that that's the case. I mean, in your situation, it was an agreed exchange of services. Yeah. But oh, if you yeah. Ask, if, you, if you said to me, oh, Dave, I've got a couple of clients. I'm, I'm, I'm just pushed for time. Can you do me a favor and write the cycles for them? Okay. If I, if I do that, I do that. I'm not saying you would, by the way, before anyone asked. But if, if I did that, I would do that on the understanding that I was not expecting anything back. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think a lot of time people will give their time or they'll give their services or they'll do a favor. But in the back of their mind, they feel that that person then owes them something. Yeah, no, that's not a good way to live. It, it's not because you're going to be internally disappointed. Yeah, yeah. So... It's like if I lend somebody money, which I never do because I'm a cheap type git, but if I did, <laughs> I do it on the understanding that I'm not getting it back. Yeah. And then if they don't pay me back, there's never an issue, which is why I don't lend money. But there, there is always that aspect to it. You know what I mean? If I do something from a business point of view about paying it back, then I can be a little bit more ruthless. Uh, but with friends, I'll own, I, I give what I'm willing to lose and because um, so many friendships end because you give and then you don't feel like it's re reciprocated. Yeah. So never give under duress. Give what you're free and willing to lose. I have one more question for you. Um, I'm going to pull a picture up here to demonstrate what I'm talking about. So, okay. you've I'm sure you've seen tunnels that look like this. Like that's that's a tunnel in the UK in the canal system, yeah. right? Correct, correct, yeah. And those tunnels, I mean, they can be freaking long, right? Like this yeah, is one of those yeah. tunnels. So first of all, how long are those tunnels sometimes? Like what are we talking here? Are they like a kilometer sometimes or cuz you can look and sometimes it's like you just see a little dark, a little bright spot in the end. I I can't imagine. So I have a lot of questions for you about this, but that's my first question. I believe some of them can actually be a couple of miles long. Jeez. Okay. So they're real narrow. Sometimes it's just yep. like wide enough for a boat, right? Mm-hmm. Dumb question, man. Are these things one way? Some actually have traffic lights. Oh, you're kidding me. No. So some actually do have a, a, a system leading up to them, the traffic lights. Um, beyond that, I'm not actually sure. And it's a question I have myself. Is, <laughs> what, what happens with the narrow ones? How do you know you're not going to meet someone coming the other way? Yeah. <clears throat> um, and I'm not sure, but I believe some of the bigger ones are actually manned. 
Wow, this one has a walkway in it. Mm. So I believe some of the bigger ones actually have almost like keepers at each end. Okay. So maybe uh, they have radios. Well, yeah, that allow and, and, and stop boats until, you know, the one that seems to pass and then the next one can go and all that sort of stuff. You can't be in a real big hurry on one of those boats, can you? I think top speed's four mile an hour. Yeah, so if you enter a two-mile tunnel and it's a one-way tunnel, I mean, that's yeah, a... Half an hour. Yeah, half an hour. you're going to have to wait on the other side. If somebody's in that tunnel coming toward you already, what if two people are lined up? You know what I'm saying? You might be there for a couple hours. Some of them are that tight that, that you'll notice a lot of barges they will have like stuff on the roof. It might be wood, stores for the fire, or even a bike or whatever. Some of them are that tight they have to clear the roofs because yeah. and they have to take the, the chimney stack off the fire and to get through because they are that tight. So they I never, I literally just learned about these tunnels. I mean, we talked about um, barges recently, but besides that, like the same time I was watching Peaky Blinders and I'm seeing these people, like I'm thinking like, are these people like on a boat in the sewer? Like what the heck is this? And yeah, then I find out. Yeah, and I find out that they're in one of these these canals. So um, when I was uh, um, in uh, Manchester, we went to uh, one of, to a coffee shop that was on one of the the aqueducts. Mm-hmm. It was cool. It was really cool, man. Those boats are amazing. Aqueducts are super cool because you've got a boat that's like. 30 40 foot up in the air going across the bridge <laughs> yeah. that is really weird that that that's quite weird I, you see i see that and it's like that's all that just doesn't look right <laughs> yeah yeah they had one um right there by by the gym what, what's the name of their gym again is it um well alex's gym Wilkins yeah Al- yeah alex's a- gym a- alex yeah, and emily a- yeah, they had a big they had a big open day on Saturday, but I couldn't come because I was to go come I couldn't go because I was doing that photo shoot. Okay. Yeah, so they, they had their gym uh in like an old mill building, right? Mm-hmm. And then I mean that building's like a few hundred years old. And we went out mm-hmm. to lunch and we got a delicious burger and the most amazing like the coffee's all good over there, but it was like the best coffee in the world at this little cafe place, and it was literally like on top of a hill next to the aqueduct, and there's people with boats on the river, and st- it's so weird, dude. It's, we don't have anything like that here. Hey, aqueducts are very weird. Yeah, they they are they are odd. Uh, oh, and a water bridge is very weird. And I wish we I could remember our listener's name, but shout out to you, my friend. We have one of our listeners lives on one of those barges. He said that the cost of living for a flat is so high in England, or maybe the area he's in, that he they figured that it would be cheaper to, to have a boat. So they watch our show on a big screen TV in their barge. Yeah, no, barge is cool. I, yeah, I like them. Yeah, that's cool. Anyway, uh, we shall go. But anyways, guys, uh, reach out to Dave if you want to get some coaching. Are you available for coaching right now? I am, and I'm also taking reservations for January. Already. January, what, Pillars of Strength? No, just, just for coaching as well. Oh, okay, okay. All right, reach out to Dave for that. And, of course, uh, reach out to me, McNallyDiets at gmail.com. And thank you to everybody who's supporting the show. That includes truenutrition.com. Use our code THINK. Supplementsource.ca for our Canadians. Great deals that change week to week. Strong Sports Nutrition for those of you in the U.K. Lots of awesome health and uh, performance blends. And, of course, um, you know, you guys, the people from Patreon, you guys make this thing happen. Leave us questions, as Dave so professionally asked you. We'll see you guys.